Hello everybody, I'm Becky Anderson and welcome to this episode of Black Armada Tales. We are going to be playing After the War by Jason Pitcher and Alistair Stewart. My pronouns are she, her and I will be your GM. And now I'm going to ask my players to introduce themselves in alphabetical order, second name, starting with A. That's how the alphabet works. We don't have an A though. No, but... Starting with A as opposed to the other end of the alphabet, uh, which means you're first, Nick. <gasps> <laughs> smooth. <hell>. So smooth. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I am really Nick Bate, but I'm pretending to be Odd Alvarez, the last man out. Uh, both Odd and I share he, him pronouns. Hi. I'm Sue Elliott, uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm playing Novak the Bull, whose pronouns are he, him. Hello everyone, I am Josh, my pronouns are he, him, I am playing Major Grilani, his pronouns are he, him, and that's that. <laughs> I do enjoy the expressions of panic on everyone's faces as we wait for Becky to tell us what order we're going to be speaking in, and then we frantically try and work out who's first. Never letting Becky GM a game again, I'll tell you that much. It's fair. I think this is part of her plan. I am Liz Lovegrove. My pronouns are she or they. I'm playing listener Ojibawa at the corner of silence, and her pronouns are she, her. Okay, everybody. We should probably set a situation, a tilt, and a question. So who wants to give me a tilt? Not a tilt, a situation. I of the mind that this game wants you to kind of push things on rather than kind of linger on stuff kind of in a very granular fashion so I am thinking we could have a scene in some sort of like computer core So you're going to go back into the ship or is this a, a computer core? I don't have to tell you that Becky, I only have to tell you where the next scene is happening and um, well, I think as part of the situation, you do have to explain a little bit about it. I don't have to tell you how we got there. I just say, so we're all... It, well, actually, the only thing I am a little bit worried about is odd. I have a solution, but carry on. Tell me what the solution is first. Well, the solution is that once a scene has been set, platform tilt and, and, and question, we then decide who's in it and who's not. And so... And odd's in it. If odd's in it, then odd's in it. Uh, the question of how I'd ended up there may... We could find out through play. Right. It, it may be a surprise slash mystery um, or it may be completely mundane if we decide it's interesting. The question, how did Odd get here? Um, it's not a great question. But... <laughs> might be. Okay, fine. Well, so I am, I, I'm imagining this thing as a bit like the, like the warp the warp generator room on the enterprise don't ask me which one <laughs> so it's like a yes i stopped you a, a blue a glowing blue thing with like gantries around it and maybe walkways coming away from it as well in a kind of spiderweb fashion so you can walk in lots of different directions from it along those and, and exit to different places there's maybe like a, 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 a like a tree, tree branches or root tree roots of cables coming off the top, and and beneath as well, and the the ones that disappear off beneath disappear into a pool of silvery liquid, and I think we're probably my concept for the starting situation is that somebody has said that we're in the right place. How they know that? Not quite sure. Um, the right place for what? Indeed, and and we're all wondering what to do now. So remind me what the tilt is supposed to do. Just before that, is it is it dark in here? Like, is it in, is it enclosed and is it dark? I think it's like not well lit, but it is not dark. Okay. It's got there's lots of light sources. The blue glowy thing. The silvery water's got a bit of ambient light. I think probably we're all carrying lights of various kinds. But it's, you know, it's like being in a cave with a load of bioluminescent stuff, maybe. Something like that. Cool. Thank you. So, yeah, what's the tilt supposed to do, remind me? So, it's it's like, that's the starting scene. Now, how are you going to fuck it up? Now, how is it weird? How is it, like, 
unsteady how is it like not what you're expecting kind of what's the kind of the the, the motivation to action and isn't it technically that the gm asks uh, somebody to do the tilt or is that wrong am i remembering it liz wrong? was just asking me to explain what it is presumably in anticipation of me saying hey liz you do the tilt now i think it's actually you josh i think the person who sets the platform technically although it tells you then you can muck around with that once you're familiar with it but Technically, you point at someone, and then that person points at someone. Well, I'm going to make Sue tilt something. <gasps> Sue. Sue's really good at tilting stuff. She just naturally tilts stuff anyway. I was yeah. doing the classic kind of don't make eye contact, <laughs> which is not even possible over the internet, because <laughs> you don't know who I'm looking at. Think like Durst. <laughs> Durst just appears out of nowhere and starts shouting. <laughs> as long as it's Durst and not Flea, it's all right. <laughs> It's like instead of having an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other, you've got like a naked flea on one shoulder and Fred Durst on the other. And it's like whispering. Oh God! <laughs> Something resting on my shoulder. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Don't look it in the eye. He could still probably rather have flea than those two. <laughs> Even so. Anyway, sorry. Tilt us, Sue. Okay. There's a one of the displays is kind of illuminated in red compared to like in contrast to everything else and there's something on there you don't recognize the language or the or the symbols on it but it's sort of changing in quite a regular way not unlike a countdown clock <gasps> it's really given off that vibe i like it roll <laughs> So now who does Sue point at the next yeah, person? Yeah, Sue, pick who does the question. Um, Liz, what's the question? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say how did I get here? <laughs> if you feel that's the most pressing question in this scene... I don't know, I mean, there's some red flashing shit going on over there, but I wasn't really looking at it, so, you know. Yeah. But I, I, thought, I thought a really good question came up earlier, which was what are we in the right place for? I thought that was a really cool question that just accidentally came out in the scene setting. Nothing I say is accidental, Sue. <laughs> Sorry, say that again, Sue. I missed the question. What are we in the right uh, place for? Ah. Yeah, someone said something like that. I mean, the obvious what happens when the timer goes down. Is the timer going down or is the timer going up? Why isn't the rest of the stuff red? Clearly it should be because the design of the ship suggests that everything else should be red. This one's operating fine and the rest of them aren't. <laughs> Who is that person who's crouched in the nest of cables at the top of home? What the fuck kind of species are they? Shall we go with that one, actually? Does that count as a tilt? Maybe it does. I think that does count as a bit of a tilt. I was also just going to re- repeat what I said last time, which is that factual questions can only be resolved by someone just like breaking the wave uh, collapsing the waveform and saying and then we all see that the person hiding in the cables is odd oh there you are odd Uh, or whatever (laughs) so which might be fine but it it just gives you a particular kind of scene doesn't it I, I think the the book is also keen on you like thinking about ways to point beliefs at each other Absolutely. That's why I asked you to restate your beliefs at the top of at the top of the thing. Then, how about a question along the lines of "How is Odd going to save us?" In brackets, Odd. by being a dead. Uh, <laughs> he saved one of us. Is that right? Do, do, do. Is that an acceptable question in general and to Odd in particular? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine with me for sure. I don't think Odd actually gets a say. Or Nick. The question has been set. Right, that's the question. That's the question. How is Odd going to save us? Okay, now we need to decide who's who's um, acting and who's audience in the scene. Who's in the scene um, in terms of NPCs as well. So who's in the scene? It sounds like Odd's in the scene. Or is Odd not in the scene? Bloody better be. <laughs> <laughs> I think Odd is, but I think, I think Odd... I'd, isn't yet like isn't at right. the start of the scene yeah um, i i know this is more of a sort of a situation or a platform question but i would be really helpful to me to understand why you chose 
because you were on your way out of the ship, why you chose to come into the heart of the ship here. My, the implication in my mind is that people have been hearing voices saying, come to me, and we chose to follow them. Yeah, that's fine. Or maybe we didn't choose, but we definitely ended up doing so. I think you certainly think you chose. So, who else is in the scene in in actor mode? So we can be in the scene, but not in actor mode. Yeah, well, you're in audience mode, in which case you, which is what I was doing last time when I role played the NPC. But could you, could your character be there and you not be in actor mode? Not really. I think that's a bit weird. You're in the scene. You're in the scene. I think Novak's there. Novak will have tagged along. Well, Novak is one of the people being called, isn't he? He is. Yeah. I think Listener probably is as well. I can't think of a good reason for Grilani not to be either, even though Grilani's been in every scene and it'd be probably good to mix things up a bit. I think when we get out of this kind of bottle episode, then we can have scenes without Grilani in um, more easily. Yes. And I guess my last question then is, um, who among the Daedalus crew are with us? I don't think you have very many of the Daedalus crew left at the point at which you did this. They may um, only have been the scientists, right? I think it might have only been the scientists. I would posit that he is maybe not with you, that maybe you have tranked him and left him to be collected on your way out. Yeah, I'm not sure you even need to trank him. I think if you just said, you sit here. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, until he gets panicked and runs away. Would Josh, would you have left either of your either of your quadmates, Crovalia or Damanso, to look after him? So the scientist is this? Yeah. Mm, the Daedalus scientist. Sure, maybe. Like I feel like they would be more useful keeping a perimeter around this place though. Okay, so they're not in the scene but they are within hailing distance. Yeah, I reckon. Alright. So you're in a room. It's a dark room. It's a dark room with a big uh, glowing countdown or count up or something and a tree-like structure which appears to be the heart of the ship and the power source of the ship. What do you do? I want to look at Novak and say, what do you hear now we're in here? Is that something I can ask you, Becky, or, or shall I just... Yeah, yeah, Okay. I think that as you were coming closer to this room, the voice in your mind was getting louder and more excited. And that all along, the what you can hear is people, somebody saying, you're nearly there, you're nearly there, you're nearly with me. I can feel you in the room, you're right here. That's the sort of thing that you can hear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in here with us, but I... I'm not sure where yet. Uh, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a walk around the perimeter, see if I can pinpoint this. Can't you see me? Is there anybody in the group who is better placed to fuck with technology than I am? Because if not, I'm going to go and fuck with this technology. Odd. Where do you stand on technology? I mean, I can do a bit, but I think. Hang on, I'm just having a look at our respective traits. I actually think you might be better at it, um, Grolani, because you because of the engineering side. Like I think the things that I picked up, I picked up by either salvaging or being around people who were doing stuff, rather than being, you know, I spent a lot of time with scientists at the the bad bit of the war. Picked up a bunch of stuff from them, but it's all kind of ad hoc learning, not structured. Whereas I think you're an engineer, right? I'm an engineer. I also, I think, just by virtue of being an Ursa, I have some sort of technological expertise. Uh, I think I'm remembering that right. Well, I think technology is in one of my backgrounds anyway. So in that case, I don't particularly want to like start role-playing that out. I'm just going to say that Grilani is kind of moving around the the core, futzing with it, okay, and looking at it. Um, let me know if you want me to tell you what you discover. Or whether you're just futzing with it and... Tell, yeah, like, tell me if I discover something. that That's absolutely welcome at any moment. Yes, I think you do discover something then. I think although that this language looks like it's quite alien, there is a internal logic to it, and it seems to be some sort of 
highly specific and f- familiar programming language to you. So this is almost like um, instead of the interface coming out into English or French or, or the language that you speak, um, it's that you're, you are inputting directly into it in the code in which it was um, created in, programmed in. So that's the first thing you discover. So um, that there is el- that it's familiar to you because there are f- sort of underlying familiar elements to the code that you've seen in other places. And you can tell this is basically you would be speaking, interfacing directly into this with code. Okay. Um, which could be a very efficient way if you had people who were absolutely fluent in it. Or if um, a lot of the maintenance work was being done by program bots. Okay, well, I will say something like, excellent, this machine appears to be working fully functional, in fact, as far as I can make out. If we had someone who knew it a little bit better, perhaps we would be able to, well, perhaps even I can attempt something, let me see. If you spend a bit more time with it, then you can probably uncover some more basic rudimentary commands and and understand the information that's spitting out a little bit better. Well, I'm just going to keep fucking around with it, basically, for the duration of this scene, unless something stops me. Okay. What are the rest of you doing? Watching Novak. Novak, what are you doing? Eyes are on you. (laughs) Novak is um, trying to methodically cover all of this area that we're in and just listening to the voice, I think at some point he he stops and says, cool, warm, or hot. Nice. And just waits to see if the voice says anything. How close are you to that central tree-like structure? Uh, I've probably, probably moved a bit further away from that, I think. Uh, then it will say cooler. I'm right here. I'm right in the middle of the room. Can't you see me? Uh, so Novak turns to to look at the tree-like structure. Warmer? Yes. I can't see you. I don't understand. I'm right here. Major Grelani, two pieces of information have now become apparent to you from um, looking at this setup. Number one, um, that this tree-like structure has some sort of unusual core, possibly with a biological element to it. There seems to be evidence of not exactly nutrients being piped in and piped out, but the sort of things that you would, you know, there's some sort of life-stabilising environment inside. Not The average human or urson would not be able to be in that environment and survive but there is something in there with a biological component which is being kept alive that's the first thing that you have gleaned the second thing is that you know what the um red flashing panel is all about ah excellent and uh, the countdown started from the moment that the ship uh, the, the doors to this room were opened um as a containment breach and that anti-contamination protocols will be triggered in 10 minutes. Ah, this is this is very interesting. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> a lot to report. Unfortunately, not much time in which to report it. We have about 10 minutes before, well, if I have faith in these systems, before we are removed forcibly from the area. The anti-contamination measures are designs um, to eliminate all biology, including the stuff that's inside the tree. Oh, oh my goodness. It's even worse than I thought. If we, if we leave now, we can save ourselves, but this device will be purged. It will, it will be destroyed. I think at this point, a, a, um, you are all going to hear inside your own minds a voice saying destroyed what oh. ah you heard that as well didn't you 
Yes. Yes, we did. Oh, I did. I think it's in the structure. Yes. Can we do anything to to extract you from the structure? What structure? I'm in the middle of the room. Can't you see me? Are you the... Just as helplessly. <laughs> Are you the computer core that I've been interacting with for the past few minutes? There's a silence, as if someone is thinking, as if you can hear that somebody is thinking, not just an absence of somebody talking in your head. And then the voice says again, I I just remember going into surgery. I thought I was still in the hospital wing and I couldn't see anything. What do you mean, am I the computer core? I've been hoping that somebody will come and get me. What's your surgery for, my friend? I was involved in an accident. Ah. We have very little time. I would love to further explore this topic, but the person we are speaking to is being kept alive by the mass of cables that you see above and below the, the core. If we disconnect them, I cannot guarantee that it will not that it will not cause harm to them, but if we do not, then it will be irrelevant since the system is about to try to purge all life from this area. Oh dear. I'm going to be trying to, like while I'm talking, trying to figure out if there's some way to shut the system down. Obviously. Eight minutes. Is this a good time for Odd to do something? <laughs> How is Odd going to save us? <laughs> Odd's got seven and a half minutes. Oh, I'm not going to sweep in and save you yet. <laughs> Are you in the room yet, Odd? No. Cool, cool. No, I did have one quick question, though, just for context. Um, can I get a sense of scale for this this machine, whatever it is that's, that this person is somehow inside of? Are we talking about like a two-story object, or is this a person-sized object? Or? No, I think this is like a large tree-sized object. Um, a large sorry. tree is very large indeed. It's not. It's not like two stories tall. Well, but also it can be disconnected. I, or at least I'm imagining it can be disconnected so that it, the bit that you have disconnected and removed would be a bit smaller. I suppose. I mean, what I was imagining was a tree trunk large enough to fit a human inside, mm-hmm. or at least most of a human. <laughs> well. Some of a human. Also, uh, just to clarify, Odd, if you weren't in the room, then you didn't hear that voice in your head. My apologies. Yep. Yep. That's fine. Um, I think I'm hatching a plan, but I want a bit more tension. <laughs> Six minutes. Major, are the, uh, uh, is, this, is this limited to this room? Do we have enough time to get out? I think if we clear the area, we will likely be safe. Likely. Who can say? Uh, At any rate, it's far too late for us to attempt to evacuate the ship. Friend, what is your name? Um, Dat. D-A-T. Thank you. What's your name? I am Lissna Ajibawa. We will do what we can to get you out of here, I think. I look round at the others for confirmation when saying this. I think Grilani's sort of very focused on the core rather than he's not making eye contact with anybody right now. Please try and stay calm. But if you know anything about this installation, that would be helpful to us. Tell me, what were you doing before you went into surgery? The ship I was on was almost destroyed in the war. Do you remember the name of the ship? The Comfortable End. I have not heard of it, but there were many ships in the war that I had not heard of. We were a supply shuttle. And what what happened to injure you? There was an explosion in the dock. An accident? I don't remember. I was... I opened up the panel on the underside to do a routine check. And the next thing I remember, I was being rushed on a cart into surgery. Dad, what is your species? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to be boring now. Um, I'm from I'm from Tara. Good, excellent. The machine 
in which you are housed is supplying nutrients to your body. Or, well, the fact that you are a Terran at least gives us some understanding of what your requirements might be. Five minutes. Major, I really feel like we should be evacuating. If we leave, then Dat will certainly die. It is our duty to attempt to save them. If we stay, then we'll almost certainly all die. This is clearly what Daedalus was looking for. If, if it gets destroyed, then at least our job here is done. Can we simply cut the cut the wires and carry out the major portion of the the trunk and then do what we can on the other side? Whatever is in here, it is biological in nature. And if, as Dat has said, that is human biology, then there is a very limited amount of time in which it would survive without oxygen. I may be able to do something. Say more, listener. I, I, I'm at a loss. I, I... <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking for the what the rules say about magic again. I recall from last session that they're sufficiently broad to, as <laughs> I just magic it. to have left me feeling like I could make up any old shit. Look, while we're all discussing how we can maybe keep this thing alive, we have to guarantee our own survival here. We've got four minutes tops. We have to leave now. Are you having a conflict? Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I'm just going to say, you can you can talk it out for a bit longer to see if you resolve it, but I'm just going to flag that I think that there is the start of a conflict here. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I'm, I, was, I was dangling a conflict. What I'm planning is for Listener to do something magic to cut that off from the thing and just like gesture to the others to carry him out. But out of character, Liz is trying to wade her way through the um, document and read what it says about magic. Grilani's got two possible plans that he thinks are acceptable. One is to try and shut down the system that's going to purge us all. Obviously, that's brilliant if he can do it, but presumably you would have said, oh, you reckon you've got a chance to do it now. Uh, I think that's the sort of thing that should be resolved on the dice. To be honest, I don't okay. think it's impossible for you to do it, but I think it's more fun if we. Well, also the question was how is how is uh, uh, Odd going to save us? Yeah, I'm expecting Odd to swoop in any second. <laughs> the answer yeah, but I'm... Be, he isn't. Three minutes. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's a conflict evolving between Grilani and, and Novak. Um... Yeah, I think there definitely is. Um, so the, I'll just say the other path. The other path is to disconnect the thing and attempt to uh, remove it, but he doesn't want to do that without having some half-assed plan to keep what's inside alive. What I'm thinking, I've never found the section, what I'm thinking of doing while Grilani and Novak argue about whether they should be leaving right now is that the listener may well try and do a version of what she did to what's-his-name's arm and just kind of sever the bit that is that from the rest of it so that there is a discrete chunk we can carry out. Okay, well, what did you say to Grilani before? Or to all of us? I may be able to do something. Listener, we need some way to, to disconnect this, uh, DAT from the rest of the system, but it cannot remove the flow of, of oxygen at the very least, or, or DAT will die in a matter of moments. I think... Maybe at this, maybe this is not a terrible moment for some sort of comms system on on board the, the temporary repeat to kind of grind into life with static Ooh, field and yeah. all the rest of it, and and through the static you can just hear you can just hear Odd's voice say, "Anyone can hear me? Just get away from the machines. Anyone can you away from?" And then the machine futters out. Odd, is that you? <laughs> Maybe it crackles alive long enough for, for Odd to say, just, if anyone can hear me, step away, get away from the machines. Just do it quick. One minute. I don't want to, don't want to do it. Right. Here's, uh, if Listener's not going to do some magic right now, I think Grilani's just going to 
disconnect from from what he's managed to work out he wants to disconnect everything except the oxygen line and then there isn't an oxygen line there's this kind of weird nutrient line recycled nutrient there must be an oxygen line there has to be how does Novak feel about this? Yeah, is Novak even still in the room? That's the question I want. Because one way to resolve the conflict is for ne- Novak to just bugger off. Novak? Oh, no, I don't feel like Novak can leave Ooh. leave the room while Glani is still still there. Well, you know, your, your survival is in conflict with your chain of command. Oh, the old chain of command. <laughs> um, the old chain of <laughs> oh, I don't, and with you know protecting the weak. If I see when I see Granani kind of looking at the nutrient thing and looking for an oxygen thing, then I will do the magic thing and thirty seconds. Okay, I I'm gonna reach into the mystic powers and sever the sever the bit that is that from the bit that is machine. Ooh, in the same you... way that I severed the arm before. Okay, that's happened. Now what happens, Odd? I still want to know if, before I do the thing, what Novak and... I don't want to decide this this conflict between Novak and Grelani. Um I think maybe Novak is is by the door. I'm assuming there's some kind of door. Yeah, yeah, like, a door. The ceiling mechanism. He is poised, ready to hit that thing at like one second if he has to and seal everyone else in that room. Wow. Except for him, who will be on the other Except side. Except for him. Got it. Yeah, yeah. He's just hoping, just desperately hoping that they they come to their senses and get out of there. You guys have got 10 seconds. What are you doing? Okay. What? So I think an alarm goes off in there. So the countdown was happening, but then now an alarm goes off, uh, and maybe it's a flashing light and a busted siren or something. And oh, it's been air raid siren because they're always so sinister and yeah. scary. Uh, I'm just going to go for it, Becky, and 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 rein me in if if necessary. Um, and then uh, in the immediate vicinity surrounding this tree-like structure, uh, screens slam down. And so what I have in my head from the layout of where people are located, Novak's outside those screens, Lizner's inside, Grilani, I'm, I'm a little unclear. Inside. He's inside. bisected if Lis- by if, the screen. If, Lis- <laughs> if Lizner's inside, then I think Grilani definitely is. <clears throat> um, yeah, okay. And uh, slam down, and then a section of hull directly above this thing, whatever it is, Iris is open, um, and a whole capsule gets ejected upwards but it's it's not it doesn't get flung free and clear there's not enough force in this it's just kind of pushing it outside of the hull oh i like this because this would in space this containment would mean that you've just basically spaced the biomaterial and the contaminant but you're in the warframe yard so you've just shot them up into the air oh i like that that's clever that's really great but but for those of you who are inside the, the the this pod that gets shot upwards, I think what you see before, if if you bother to look out, this is, these are clear screens, is that this is not the only pod like this that has been ejected upwards. Yeah, others from the same ship or from other ships or same ship, but there are two other pods in cl- as well as yours, so three and three in total with similar contents. Mm, you don't know. So is that the end of the scene? It's like, uh, actually, one more question: Is this thing now? What shape is the thing that we've been shot out of? Are we going to be rolling in a minute? No, I think it's pill-shaped. It's kind of c- cylindrical. Uh huh. But what goes up must come down, right? Yeah, I think that it's only reasonable that you'll sustain some damage. Yeah, but we're not. Well, I guess we could roll, couldn't we? Cylindrical things roll. We probably will roll. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you're in the middle of the boneyard too. I mean, it's, it's you're surrounded by wreckage on all sides. Yeah. We'll probably stop fairly quickly. I'm going to say, listener, and Major Grilani needs to take a point of strain because <laughs> <laughs> the countdown went off. You got ejected up in the air. You have been saved, so you are okay, but that's a very traumatic and slightly stressful situation that you've just gone through. So point of strain each, please. I feel good that I uh, s- stuck it out and and followed my beliefs 
<laughs> and took a, fit, a, a point of strain doing so. We have things to do, right? We have traits and we've got, I think, at least one moment of growth is about to occur. I think you're right. So the first thing we're going to do is we didn't have any conflict, but we're going to review for insight. Normally done by the audience, in the absence of an audience. Becky, you're the adjudicator. So does anybody feel like they had a belief which was supported or refuted? I feel like I pushed survival over everything. (laughs) I don't know if you did, because at the end, you didn't leave the room and shut them in. I didn't, no. So I think it... Maybe it's getting, is it getting refuted? Doesn't matter which one it is, right? Well, she might have done if it come down to that last second, but she was saved by the bell or something. But you left it really late. If I saw them pop out, then I technically I didn't shut the door when I... So uh, what does supported or refuted mean? Because like, I thought support, support or refute sounds like some evidence arises which makes your belief seem firmer or less firm but you're saying it's more like did you do something to support or refuse the wrong words abandon it uh i think it can be both i just think in this instance it's more like i don't think that novak actually did act in accordance completely with that belief in that like obviously you were arguing in accordance with it but i think when it came to the wire you were still in that room you hadn't gone outside and sealed it. But that still means that the belief bit was a central part of the scene, right? And therefore... Yeah, so, but is is that belief strengthened in Novak or weakened? That's the question, right? It doesn't matter mm. which one it is, you still get insight. Yeah, you but still get insight. it has insight. to be one of them. It has to be one I of think them. My, I think my issue is I didn't... I didn't do enough to refute it, I don't think. It was, a, it was an absence of action. I guess. Like I didn't I didn't go and help them, which I think would have been a stronger refutation. I think that would have been stronger, but the fact that you didn't just exit when the ten second countdown started and seal the door says that actually your inaction was in of itself a refutation because your belief is do whatever it takes to survive. Damn it, I should have given you an order, shouldn't I? And then you would have been like <laughs> impossible to not win. <laughs> All right, I'm, well, I'm going to take it then, if that's cool. Any more for any more? Yeah, yeah, I was totally there protecting the weak. Yeah, yeah, you were. And I was working on being united people. How I mean, was that? Less directly, but like this person who's here, this this is part of... Oh, I see, okay. I'm, I'm you were working on supporting this person and not just abandoning them because that's part of bringing us all together. And odd. Well, so I think this is an interesting question because <laughs> because the implication in that scene, I think, is that my dead old days are done has been thoroughly refuted, but none of it happened on screen. The set of circumstances that led to Ard being in a position to do what he did and doing what he did is kind of the opposite of giving up on, like, I must have, Ard must have gone into the ship possibly alone Mm-hmm. figured out something was going wrong who knows what he encountered on the way but it all happened off screen right so the question is do you want to do a flashback oh just narrate a flashback you could just narrate a flashback i could i don't but i don't know that i necessarily want to because i think there's a i think in some ways that um i think it's more interesting if that ends up being a what the hell happened no. kind of conversation at some point rather than me just closing collapsing that waveform right now so adds to a mystique so what's but the question is what does the system say about off-screen action it doesn't it says at the end of each scene the audience will examine the beliefs of the actors in the scene of which odd was one if most of the audience agrees that a character's beliefs have been confirmed or refuted mark a point of insight I'm going to let you have it because I think that it's just too much of a... The resolution of that scene is too kind of deeply pinned to the refutation of that belief for you. It would certainly be a shame if in order to get your insight points, you had to kind of come on screen and say, hey, everybody, ah, I can't believe I'm doing this. Fucking daredevil days were meant to be over. (laughs) Oh, damn it. Throws it all up in the air. Yeah, I'm two days from retirement. Yeah. Fine, fine, I'll do it 
If you insist. Yeah, I mean, there's basically no way you could have achieved that without some feat of daredevilry. No. Given and, that you yeah. were outside at the time. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'll take it happily. Um, good, good. So, so by my count, that means that both Sue and Liz, both Lizna and um, Novak, have triggered a moment of discovery. Super exciting. I think we get to ask someone else to do something. Moments of discovery. Excellent. So we've you and Sue have hit a moment of discovery. Discoveries are a chance to learn more about the characters and connect on a personal level. If you have reached a discovery milestone on your insight track, you can ask a question about another player character's thoughts, history or relationships, and they are obliged to answer your question either by role-playing a discussion or narrating events. Use flashbacks in monologues, montages and other narrative techniques so that we can bring out the stuff, um, Nick, about how Odd came to be more of a daredevil. Uh, and any other narrative techniques to answer the question in an interesting way. Discovery deepens bonds and adds nuance to the story. Consequentially, each moment removes a point of strain from the, each person involved. This is the only way to remove strain during a session. So it sounds like both Sue and Nick are owed a moment of discovery scene. Sue and Liz. Sue and Liz. Sorry, I thought it was you, Nick. Both Sue and Liz are owed a moment of discovery scene. Okay. I guess we go with whichever one of us thinks of something first. It's like a Mexican standoff or something. <laughs> <laughs> there are two players with strain at the moment, if that makes any difference at all. They are... I think it's three, isn't there? Uh, Does Sue not have some? There's no Grelani, yeah. Has somebody got two strain then? Yeah, I've got two. You've got two, that's it. I thought Sue had one. I don't remember what the other one was for. You for winning a conflict. conflict. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was good. At, I was thinking of asking Major Grilani something about. Does my character ask, or do I ask? Or is it is it flexible? Wait, since you can do it via a flashback, feels like it must be at least partially out of character, mm. right? Um, I think you ask and then figure out how to answer it, whether that's in a conversation or in a flashback or in a. Well, I I I think from Novak's point of view, he would. He'd want to know why it was why it was so important to Major Grilani to to risk his own life to save to save someone weaker than him. But that's a that's, I mean that's just like your core belief that I'm asking about there. So yeah. no, no, that's cool. That's actually very easy to. But uh, do I have to answer this in such a way that it would be apparent to um uh, to Novak? I don't think it's very clear, but I, I don't necessarily think so. I, I don't think so either. Because I've got an idea for how to answer this, but it will definitely not be apparent to Novak. There's a, the, the example underneath the moment of discovery has somebody describing a flashback in which their character does a thing in response to the question, why are you so hostile to using technology to help the community? And it says... Kaya's player could have role-played through a conversation with Lucio to talk about the issue, but she decides that a flashback would be better. So You can also have, like, in the monologues, you can have a montage. Love a montage. Montage! But if we're, if we're convinced that it can be something that doesn't involve Novak, then that's... Yeah. Cool. So in that case, I would like to frame a brief scene in which Grilani and Listener are shot out into the sky inside a small <laughs> metal cylinder. That sounds very unlikely. Our bodies are flung around slightly and Grilani grabs... It's not metal, it's perspex, isn't it? Perspex? Yeah, unless you're... Well, it's see-through. But it's clear, wasn't it? I said it was clear. Uh, unless you're describing that other situation where you were in a metal pod together shot out <laughs> into the sky. <laughs> in which case, I'm sorry. I don't remember My that, bad. but anyway, I'm going to grab hold of uh, the bits of uh, like cabling to, to stop myself buffeting around too much and at that moment clinging desperately to a bit of cable flying through the air inside a perspex cylinder I turn directly to camera and say <laughs> I imagine a few moments ago that Novak may have been wondering what on earth I was thinking <laughs> in placing the life of a complete stranger ahead of the lives of not merely my own but also my comrades I know that 
Novak believes that survival is very important. I, too, believe that survival is important. But I sensed that this creature, this person, this entity trapped within the machine was sentient, a worthwhile being whose own life had been ripped from them in a sense. They needed us. Without us, they might have come to this to destruction. There is nothing that they could have done to help us, but there is everything that we could do to help them. And after all, what are we put in this life to do but to help others? I hope that one day Novak will understand that too. Ah! And then, uh, <laughs> time kind of kicks back in again. Fantastic. I love that. That's great. Thank you for listening to Black Armada Tales. We've been playing After the War by Jason Pitch and Alistair Stewart. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast, please do rate and review us as it helps other people to find the show. And come and talk to us on Twitter where we are at B Armada Tales. You can find all that information and more in the show notes. See you next time. Oh my god, so I've just been watching the Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix. And fucking hell, it's such a shit show. Is it like Fire Festival? It's but... worse because it went ahead. Oh, jeez. No, it's like a bazillion times worse. It's like the Fire Festival. <laughs> the Fire Festival went ahead 100%. And Limp Biscuit whipped the crowd up into a frenzy, so they rioted multiple times. Right. It's me. Wait, the, so so one of the, the, the artists at Woodstock 99 was Limp Biscuit. So basically, one of the things that's kind of cute about this is that Woodstock 99 was put together by the team behind, some of whom were behind Woodstock 69, and they were like, yeah, it's going to be like free love and flower power, it's going to be amazing. And then they fucking booked corn, lit biscuit, and rage against the machine. And like, I think the 90s are very different to what the 1969s were, dudes. And um, this is kind of on you for not reading that room. Free love, rage against the machine, I love it. I know. Um, and Red Hot Chilies. Um, well, they are free well, compared to the other ones you just mentioned. Flea performs his entire set naked except for a guitar. It's Australians represent. I don't think that wearing a guitar counts as... You don't need to say except. I have Could seen more of Flea's junk It depends how he holds it and how much he... 20 minutes than I ever needed to in my life. Sounds like um, it didn't cover it, does it? <laughs> no, it did not. Did it cover the um, belly button? Is that what happened? No. There was just so much leaping around on stage, you know. Um, and then there was, like, multiple fires, 12 trailer trucks, all of their gas tanks blew... Several people died. Several people had serious like it. No, it 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 was like a fucking riot. It was actually a riot. It was awful, and like it, it's really interesting. But it kind of goes through like a whole litany of how it got up to that point. So like it's like fire festival would have been Sue <laughs> <laughs> if you'd booked corn rage against the machine and Limp biscuit, and they turned up. And there'd been a quarter of a million people, and it had all gone ahead, and it had all gone really badly. Oh, God. Jeez. Sounds awesome. Doesn't sound like Woodstock, though. No. <laughs> Why are those bands at Woodstock? I thought Woodstock was all chill and shit. So I think they misread the room. They were, like, booking the biggest bands of the day. It was going to be, like, this is the biggest festival there's ever been. Like, like I'm picking the the heaviest groups on the lineup. You know, Cheryl Crow was also there, <laughs> and Bush. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> um, but like this being headlined by Corn, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against <laughs> Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it's a very different vibe. And the people who booked them just booked them because they were biggest acts of the date and they didn't know the vibe of the bands. Like Michael Lang, who's the dude who set up the whole festival in 1969 and he's been the mastermind behind it. Like the Michael Evis of Woodstock, as far as I can tell. Like, he'd never heard of any of these bands. He'd never listened to their music. He had no idea who they were. They were just booking them because they were big. Sounds like mastermind is very much not the right word.
And then whereas like Woodstock was all like free love, free soup kitchen, everybody loves each other. This was like, right, when you turn up, we're going to take all your food and water away from you at the gate. So you have to buy from the vendors inside. Oh, and by the way, um, bearing in mind this is 1999, not now, a bottle of water, 500 ml bottle of water inside the venue is $4 on day one. By the end of it, they had run out of stock so badly it was $12 a bottle in the vendors and the temperatures at the venue which was on a disused military base so it's not grass it's tarmac the whole lot and asphalt the whole lot the temperatures over the weekend were between 90 and 100 degrees did they just recreate Global warming, yeah. but on a, like a sort of this is exactly what I was, scale. You know, you know, you know the world's end. The, how the whole movie, like the intro to the movie, is the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this? Is it? Was this the next twenty years? The next thirty years? It kind of in... felt that way, and like you know, like really early on, after the first day, the toilets are basically totally unusable. By the second day, they realise the toilets are leaking into the free drinking water fountains. Oh, oh God. God! Everybody gets trench mouth, gets really sick, like. It's basically, it seemed to me, yes, you booked some top-notch, angry, raging bands there. Um, and yes, you know, it was noticeable to me that when you're looking at the shots of the crowd and you're looking at the shots of the crowd whiting, uh, whiting, that's a bit of a slip of the tongue, rioting, they are almost exclusively white and men, young men. But you put them into a situation where they were penned in the temperatures were extreme. They had free access to drugs. They had very little access to water and food. It's sounding a bit like an undergraduate psychology experiment gone badly wrong. Well, it kind of does. It's like, and then, then, so you've like taken away their water. There's a 25 minute queue to get the free water, which is contaminated with toilet overflow. It is um, 90 to 100 degrees on the asphalt. And then Limp Biscuit comes on and Fred Durst shouts at everybody to fuck shit up. And it's a bit like, ah, Fair enough. I... What did you think was going to happen? Come on. <laughs> anyway, so very interesting documentary. If you want to watch a few hours of absolute car crash <laughs> of like people totally misreading the room and creating, f designing for failure. It's amazing. This sounds like a great fiasco place, I have to say. It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to keep reminding myself, like, people died, people oh. were seriously injured, people were horrendously assaulted. Fat Boy Slim ends up getting, like, ushered out of the rave tent, put in a, a, a van and driven off for his own safety in the second night. Right. Um, MTV people leave in their vans before the concerts, before it's all over, before their safety of the third night. And it's just like oh. I have no, I have no um, memory of this. You'd have probably been ten, though. So. I don't remember it either. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I would either. have been. I was thirteen. I would have been thirteen. I have absolutely no recollection I would have of been that. Nineteen, and I don't remember it. Yeah, I was too busy role playing to pay attention. To I suppose I was <laughs> at university, so it's probably like whatever. Where was it? In... Not watching the news. New York State, not New York. Maybe that's why I didn't know I was nowhere near. Made the BBC, apparently. Or maybe it's a hoax. It never happened. <laughs> that might have been the same year as the rioting at Leeds, which I was at. Yeah, I was gonna, that's why I was going to say. Remember the Ready and Leeds Festival that you were at? It reminded me a bit of that when people were like, lighting their gas canisters from their camping stoves on fire and throwing them in that amazing act of... I mean, we didn't see it. Total we writing, sensible. But we were at the one that was writing. We saw some of the aftermath of it the next day. Oh, yeah. And it's like, other stuff went, like, the riot moved from the stage area where it started. So <laughs> right at the end of the Chili Peppers set on the last night, Michael Lang, the Woodstock dude who starts it all, who's all like, love, man, and peace and everything, he decides that he's going to distribute 100,000 candles to the crowd for a candle-lit vigil against gun violence, because it's the same year as Columbine. Like, beautiful sentiment. But At the end of a chilli pepper set? Yeah, quite. And so they're playing under the bridge, and there's candles everywhere, it's very beautiful, and suddenly there's a fire that starts. And then another one. What? And another one. <laughs> and another fire starts. And then people start pulling down the audio towers. 
and dancing on them. Well, and then the fire service refused to come out and put the fires out because they're so frightened of the crowd. And then the crowd starts to um, go even wilder. So they run into the vendor area and they pull apart the ATMs and take the money out. And it's just like, and, oh my God. And Flea's dick is out for this whole thing. <laughs> Flea's dick is out for the whole fucking thing. Does anyone try to set fire to Flea's dick? No, man. But it is, it's just like juxtaposed shots of everything going crazy in these fires and then it like pans back to the stage and all you can see is Flea's wang just... <laughs> Having the time of its life. Having the time of its life. <laughs> yes. Just sound like a satire of some kind. It is. Things satirise themselves. It's a. It's it's a. It's a push. like part of me was like I've got to make a role playing game out of this, and then part of me is like eh, quite a few people died at this thing. And maybe not. I don't know. I actually think, I was thinking as you were saying it, what I want is a role-playing game where you are the organisers of some sort of very ill-advised event. And, like, you iterate, like, each turn you have something new go wrong. And then you come back into your little committee and talk about why you must carry on despite the terrible thing that's just happened. I feel like that could be a lot of fun. I think what it taught me is that if you deprive people of reasonably priced access to food and water and shelter, because there's no shade, it doesn't take long before there is civil unrest. It seems to me there are a bunch of like phrases and sayings and such relating to that. It kind of feels like it does. It feels there's, a bit like... There's also a fourth part there, right? Deprive people of food, water, shelter and subject them to limp biscuit. <laughs> Presumably, they chose to be there for Limp Biscuit. Or did they? Maybe none of them knew who Limp Biscuit were. Right? Was no, like, they were all there to see Limp. They were all there to see corn and Limp Biscuit, and it just made me like, how much faster would the population of the British Isles riot over energy prices if Fred Durst like <laughs> just got back on Not with to his mention shit? Please, Dick. <laughs> Flea got his cock out, and corn came over. You know, like. I mean, Flea would do it. You, you wouldn't even have to pay him, I suspect. <laughs> I wonder if you could do, if you could, um, if you could run the quiet year, but as a, <laughs> as a terrible music festival. The loud month, the loud week. Well, there's certainly something about maps. Music festivals have really interesting maps and there's a synergy there. I do. They do, and it's it's a lot. It's very interesting to me that kind of there's so much about whipping up people's emotions, but at the same time, you've trapped two hundred and fifty thousand people in a place, and you are milking them for money like nobody's business. And it was a very much it was a very interesting, I think, lesson in when capitalism fails, in the sense of the internal capitalist capitalism of the internal site these people are in they've paid 150 dollars to be there you've taken away all of their food and water so you wouldn't let them bring in anything onto the site that they would be able to use to feed or um give themselves water so you've required them to go and buy perfect capitalist situations the people on site can set their own prices and what happens is by the third night there is rioting and the atms are broken into because actually if you trap people in a situation like that and tell them that they've got to pay $4, $8, $12 for a bottle of water when the temperatures are that high and there's no shade, eventually people will get mad a little bit faster because of limp biscuit. <laughs> I've been at a gig um, in an in a unair-conditioned venue where the outside air temperature was above 40 degrees um once and how are you still alive well this was the thing at the start at the start of the performance they were just handing out water as you came in and as you and whenever you got near the bar and by the end of the performance they were just hosing you down from the bar uh it's pretty <laughs> much the only way water, water water mm. um <laughs> i spent half of the gig standing next to a guy who i swear was seven foot tall and he just periodically disappeared and when he came back he'd have a jug of beer and he'd just drink from the jug just this giant of a man downing <laughs> jugs <laughs> in 42 degree heat. It was very impressive. The band was Gomez. We didn't write. 
I was going to ask you the band. Oh, they don't sound very variety. No, they don't. That sound would very be variety. that would be an appropriate Woodstock '99 <laughs> booking. Well, I was just thinking, like 1999. Who would the equivalent bands be in the UK? You know, if this was at Glastonbury, and I was like, the Levellers, Billy Bragg. It's not going to get you rioting, is it? <laughs> badly drawn. Boy. Badly, bo- badly drawn boy. <laughs> like to be honest, I'm slightly surprised that Fat Boy Slim had to get ushered off because he's not exactly corn, is he? 